Thank you for returning to Vibes, Moods, and Moves, the podcast for creative minds, real questions, and real conversations, season two, episode two, already in progress. Somebody gets hurt. Well, a lot of people have been hurt, literally hurt. It's gone offline. You know, we're not just talking flame wars and stuff that you used to see before that was a little cringeworthy. No, it's gotten serious. And it's, it's affected the whole entire world for too many reasons to list. So we've got disinformation, misinformation. We have people being purposely allowed to be triggered by hate speech. We also have an algorithm that's deciding what's good, what's bad, what's worthy of circulation and be and, and you know engagement therefore it's positioning things so understand that those of you who have given over your sensibilities when it comes to engaging with other humans you've given this thing this power in your life understand every time you hate follow or hate stalk somebody Every time you get triggered and annoyed about something that's hateful that you read or because, again, you're a hate stalker (laughs) and you can't stand to see somebody else doing something or having something you want or you're following your ex around online or whatever, anytime you do that, every time you sit and you click on those things, you look at them, whether you like it or don't, you you don't have to click anything, just the fact that you land on those pages or you linger, they're making money. You're feeding the, you're feeding Al, and Al's providing them with data on you. And in the spirit of Halloween, I'll say, if you watch The Social Dilemma, what they basically say, it's like they create an avatar of you based off of all this information. I'm gonna put it this way. It's like they made a voodoo doll of you. Mm. Happy Halloween, okay? And they're working you, they're messing with you. They're messing with you. And when you really, really think about it, that's, that's, that's not good. That's not good. It's kind of creepy that they're creating this whole entire like digital dossier on you because of whatever you do. And that applies to the good stuff. But, you know, I'm just saying, why would you want any, something to know you better probably than you even realize you know yourself? Because this thing has been built and designed to pick you apart down to what you may or may not be interested in based off of something that you might have clicked five years ago or the verbiage you used in posts about something. And it's, it's it's created a whole profile on you. Really. That's crazy, isn't it? You wouldn't be comfortable with another person doing that to you let alone this thing that proprietarily belongs to Facebook. Or should we start calling it meta already? I don't know. And that's where, when I put that bit of information together with this new thing, uh, the you know, this meta thing, I already told you guys I was salty about Facebook acquiring Oculus. It messed up my plans. And uh, so, yeah, to realize that in the middle of all of this chaos, 
Mark and them are proceeding aggressively now with going and forging off into the metaverse to dominate that too. If you're already uncomfortable with the idea that whether you like it or not, when you click the terms of service agreement, you've already agreed to let them collect this data on you and to capitalize on it. They've monetized it. That There's so much money on the table for you using this application for free. And I'm all over the place with this subject because it's just beyond, It's like I said, it's mind-blowing to me that now for all of the, the mess, now going into the metaverse, to anyone who has never, ever played in VR, if you've never been there, I'll tell you one of the things I can tell anybody. Everybody doesn't need to go into that headspace. Because again, it's another one of those cases of everything's fun and games until somebody gets hurt. And I've already said for years, you know, I think I think some people should have to take like a Warshack test before they create accounts on certain platforms online. I swear. But that's not realistic, right? But my point is, can you imagine this company being the gatekeepers of the metaverse profiting off of it and have and they haven't been able to check themselves when it comes to not messing with people's heads pushing people's buttons um and them being the ones in control of some place where people literally see themselves in it that they're completely immersed in these spaces that's deep that's disturbing yeah I didn't intend to go this long about this, but that last bit of news just really sent me. The only person you have control over is yourself. And at this point, we cannot count on people who are making buku money to do what is in our best interest with their product. But since it's everywhere, and some people are going to choose to delete it and some are going to choose to continue on with it if you're going to continue on with it then take some accountability for your engagement what you post how you post what you look at how committed and invested you are in your social media presence and existence And understand, this discussion is a little different for people who are in business where you have to kind of be out here. I, like, I don't, if if I had my druthers, I wouldn't do it at all because I have a website. And I, I, but I, I heeded the call when everybody was like, no, but you have to have social media presence. But I also feel like I'll do it on my terms. And my terms don't jive well with everybody I know or work with or have worked with. But it's what I know works for me. And it keeps me from having to be obsessing over all of this stuff all the time. So I can be free to do the projects that I want to do and live the rest of my life. But if it's a personal, purely personal social thing, even more so, please, please reevaluate how much of you, you fed this thing over the years and how much more of you you're gonna give it. 
And if you're not comfortable with the idea of this thing, knowing you better than probably if you if you have a spouse you lay down next to them, then that person who lays down their head next to you at night if that freaks you out that this thing al knows you better than your partner log off log off i don't know if you're gonna just uh you know delete or just take a, a detox and go read some books go go for war, more walks in the fresh air You know, I mean, it's, it's wild, but it's also incredibly dangerous for your own well-being, your mental health, and yeah, collectively, if you have a whole society of people who are feeding this thing, that's why it's so powerful. It's so big because people made it so. AIs didn't make it this. I don't care how many bots you load onto any of these platforms. AI didn't do this. Human beings did. And sadly, whereas the tools can be used to highlight the best of who and what we are, the best of human behavior, under the worst of circumstances, it also brings forth and makes it way too easy for people to just run amok expressing the absolute worst of human behavior. And all of that is just not good. So while we wait for uh, the laws of the lands everywhere to catch up with the technology, while we wait for that to happen, this is one of those moments where we have to say, we're the ones we've been waiting for. That statement is applicable right here, right now. We're who we've been waiting for to save us. When we all collectively decide to not give in to the worst, most base human behavior and then play it out on these platforms, we'll see a change. And maybe that's what it'll take for these companies to do right by us, to be more respectful of us. We are more than just human assets, intellectual assets for them to make money off of when we click on their platforms. People are living for this. That's scary. Just remember that. The story is still being written and I personally know that I don't want to see it end where we're all living, you know, near the center of the earth with Machine City over our heads. And do you really want the owls to take over? I mean, I'm, come on now. War games? Who remembers war games? Would you like to play a game? Those suckers could take over and blow everything up. You know, I mean, really, like, I have to try and lift the energy because I feel myself getting way too serious. And, uh, yeah, but I just, it, it's something I feel strongly about because it's been this dance that I've been doing, you know, like all of you, you know, for so long. Except I'm in the camp that has been saying all along, whether I'm on it or not, um, I'm going to, I, I just can't give my, I can't give it that much of myself my time, my energy, my focus because it's really not giving me anything back. It's not. 
use it responsibly or don't use it at all. And if you're irresponsible and you're contributing to the problem, then anyway, real conversations. On a lighter note, <laughs> I had to stop and sip my coffee because it's like, wow. Mm. Yeah. On a lighter note. So in closing, I'm going to leave the last bit that I'm going to give because I have to leave you guys on a high note, right? That is the vibes moves and moves way. Okay. So in the preamble, <clears throat> I completely went off, fangirled completely out over LaVar Burton and Jeopardy and wanting to see him get that host, that host gig, right? And that didn't happen. And like a lot of the other fans, when the news broke, I was salty. And, you know, I got over it. I especially managed to get over it when all the salaciousness came out. And I remember thinking to myself, now you see, that's how God works. Mr. Burton didn't need to be there. He did not need to be in the middle of that mess. And that was some mess. Nothing against Maya Bialik, because it has nothing to do with her. And as, also, as a side note, I have to say, honestly, I would have been really happy with any of the people who were up for that spot because I think all of the guest hosts were like awesome. But I made no bones about it. My favorite to win was LeVar Burton and that didn't happen. And that was actually the win. Ding. Here we go. So if you've been paying attention, you're also beautifully aware that so many really cool things have come out of that moment for him and for us as fans. Uh, let's see. I believe he picked up an endorsement for some educational toys and books. I have to look into that. I just Something flashed past me earlier, but I think that's great if it did happen. Uh, secondly, his podcast, uh, his book club, has grown. Awesome. Third... Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, funny enough, a whole generation of kids that were kids back in 1999 and watching Disney Channel and watched, uh, what was it? Smart House are all realizing that the man who directed that movie for Disney was LeVar Burton. And they're like bugging. Meanwhile, um, a lot of the elders who hadn't paid attention since back when they were little ones reading books from Reading Rainbow's reading list, <laughs> dudes, I don't see how y'all didn't know it, but the man has been directing for ages. And so that was cool too, to see some light put on his other work in the field. Uh, but I thought that was really cool that there are all these kids that were kids back then that are grown ups now that were like, oh my God, you know, that's just cool. Another thing that I thought was absolutely exceptional though, was the news coming out that after all these years, we are getting an official documentary about reading Rainbow titled <clears throat> Butterfly in the sky. What? Yas. I am so here for it. And what I loved was as I was reading, I can't remember if I read it in Variety or wherever I caught it, um, the producers behind it 
were saying that they just felt like, oh my God, yeah, we have to do this because they're about my age, I think, and or our age, because I think some of you out there were all like in that same Gen Xy clump, uh, kids born in the 70s. Um, what they were saying though basically was that Reading Rainbow was such an experience for them growing up, one that had such a beautiful impact on their lives to where it didn't just make the world smaller uh, as far as like, you know, teaching them about different places, but it also exposed them in some instances to other kids and people in general that they otherwise would never have been because they might have lived someplace that was like, you know, very far out and away and very homogenous and whatever, that they got to see kids who didn't look like them. And remember I said on the preamble, I love the fact that when I looked at the show, I saw kids who did look like me and my friends. And so just that whole thing, I just thought that was so beautiful. And I said, you know, that and also the virtual field trips going to really cool places, again, that just open your mind and how the field trips were directly always tied to whatever the book was for that episode. By the way, I have to say this. I remember when I was, it was like 19 and my parents, because my dad's really big on historical sites and stuff. Anyway, so when I was like 19, we went on this family trip and um, it was to Colonial Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia. Like before we left, I was like, wait, Colonial Williamsburg. Oh my God, that's where that Reading Rainbow episode where the featured book was Stone Soup and Mr. Burton and them were, you know, making, you know, standing around like, you know, a kettle and whatnot. And, and he was talking about the fresh baked bread and the blacksmith in town. Oh my God, like seriously, I bugged. I could not wait. I packed so fast. And honestly, I had a great time on that, that little um, family excursion. But it was so funny because here I was 19 years old and I got giddy like I was 10 because my the, the memory and remembering how well done it was um, and how included I felt in the story and in the moment of that episode, that whole show, uh, it made me want to go because Reading Rainbow had been there. You know, it was a Reading Rainbow place. So there's so many of us all around the world that feel that way. And so, yeah, hell yeah. I feel like I, I love the fact that that's the energy behind it. And again, when you think about who the heart of that show is, it's beautiful. And the timing is magnificent, right? So I'm so here for it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching that story um, unfold. And of course, I'll give you guys the updates. Another thing that I thought was incredibly cool was I've watched Leverage. I watched it when it was I don't remember if that I can't remember which one of the cable networks that was, so I'm not gonna say it. But Leverage, that TV show Leverage, I watched that from its first season to its last episode, all the way through. That is also where I discovered the magic and wonderfulness that is Aldous Hodge. That is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yes, mercy. Um that Anyway, so when I saw the, you know, the info for Leverage Redemption coming to IMDb, I was like, oh, cool. I could get down with that because the whole entire cast is just phenomenal and I love the show. So I watched the first half of this new season and then, what was it, like last month or the beginning of October, the second half showed up. I'd like to lost my complete mind when I saw who? LeVar Burton. Guest, guest starring. His character is multifaceted. He does some action. He's got this whole swagger thing going on. And I love it because in that, we're showcasing the actor again. I mean, it was just everything. Another great moment. 
And then this last bit of information, this update came out, was it last week? Is that Mr. Burton's been invited to be the Grand Marshal of the Rose Bowl Parade 2022. And there you have it. And I'm sure there's going to be even more stuff rolling in. Now, I'm telling you guys all of this because here's the thing. Some things must happen in order for other things to happen. Why I think his story overall, when you look back at the fact that the role of Kunta Kinte happened for him, if he had decided that was his brass ring moment, that that was the best it was ever going to be, that that was it, that would be the end of the story. But he didn't. Other opportunities presented themselves and he took them. And he also knew when to shift and pivot with his talent, his intelligence, his personality, all of that together and go and make these transitions into different things. Now, he stay, it's all still within the realm of entertainment, but directing, writing. Today, and in, in in again, a lot of us are figuring out how to find our space in this new uh, digital media universe podcast. Um, they already took rating, Reading Rainbow and put it in app form a couple of years ago. Okay, so again, shifting and pivoting. Still him, still all that talent, but finding all these different places to apply it and having growth. Why don't we do that for ourselves more? Because he didn't see that Roots role as his brass ring. He knew there was more for him, I'm sure. And so when I look at that, I think, yeah, man, look at everything he did by not being stuck in the past, stuck in that role as his shining, glorious moment. And that was everything that that's it. Or keep trying to chase backwards to recapture that. No, no, no. The man knew when to shift over and pivot a couple of degrees and get some new perspective and try things a little different, try some new things and take all of who he is, all of all of, all of of the goodness he's acquired of knowledge and skill and talent and apply it in these different places and continue to grow and evolve. This is like 40 years plus at this point. <clears throat> and what I think is beautiful is I don't get an indication that he's going to stop anytime soon. Do you? I don't think so. Now, here's something that happened a couple of weeks ago or maybe longer because I'll be reading stuff and uh, sometimes I catch the date on the published date and some days I don't. But the story is still the same. So here's one of those examples of um, some of what I'm talking about here that I want you guys to take away from this episode, okay? So I read... And basically, there was some journalist that published something. I do not remember what publication it was in. We've already established that, where they said that, and they said it as if it was a fact, that if LeVar Burton were offered the Jeopardy host spot now, after all the scandal and them trying to clean it up, oh, he would jump at the opportunity. That's what this person went and said. Well, Mr. Burton elegantly turn to his social media because again the tools can be used for good and gathered this individual all the way together and said I think he did it on his Twitter he said if that were to happen I would say no thank you 
and goodbye. Basically, no, he's not he's not here for it. It happened, it's the past, he's moved on. But what I loved even more was that the rest of this piece went on to say that, you know, he followed up and he went further and he's been saying this consistently. Yeah, he was disappointed that he didn't get it, but he got over it relatively quickly. And the reason for that was he was looking around at all these other awesome opportunities and all of this this, this coverage and everything good that was coming his way was just flowing in. And he felt like, you know, and I'm paraphrasing guys, but essentially he felt like had he not gone through the whole Jeopardy guest host thing and all of that, um, even to not getting it, if that had not, had that not had happened, perhaps all these other things that were are jumping off right now may not be happening. And it's awesome stuff. He didn't wallow in not getting the Jeopardy thing. We as fans might've seen that as a brass ring moment in this man's career. And perhaps he did at some point too. It's something that, you know, I think we all could see it. We could see it, right? But the beautiful thing is he accepted, okay, that didn't happen. So yeah, when you think about the fact that, you know, he didn't wallow in that moment coming and going, but could see what that moment opened up for him. That's the lesson. That's the positive takeaway. That is the thing. And it's something that, you know, I've been saying a lot for a while now, and I've also been seeing it play out for myself, for my little creative circle of peoples that, you know, we just kind of keep pushing each other forward, onward and upward, no matter what happens. And that's the big thing, is that sometimes some things must happen in order for other things to happen. Sometimes they happen so that you pay closer attention, perhaps to um, your methods, to why you're doing it. This is why I open, open the season up on the preamble by mentioning intent. Sit down with yourself and we look at why you're doing what you're doing and, um, and, and what kind of energy you want to imbue your work with. That's serious. That's real. It does make a difference. And all of that goodness, get into it. Get into that space with whatever your thing is. I don't care if it's making music, it's fashion, it's beauty, it's it's decor, it's uh, food stuffs. Hey, my foodies out there, what's up, y'all? I'm still cooking with butter. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, so <laughs> whatever it is, my point is, whatever it is that you're, you're on your hustle for, you're trying to build, you're trying to develop, you're trying to learn, and in doing it, you're gonna have these moments where you might've started out one way thinking, well, this is the brass ring, as if I get this. If I get that job, if I get that, if I get that slot, you know, if I get that, that club date, if I get that audition, if I get that part, if I get that, whatever, whatever it is, and you think that's your brass ring and you know, you did everything right. You know, you, you know, you were ready and maybe the best in the room and you still didn't get it. Don't sit there and think you're a failure because you're not that wasn't your brass ring to get. It might be somebody else's. And so just because you didn't get that, it doesn't mean it's the end of your story. It means maybe you needed to sweat over that job or whatever it is because something else was coming along that you need to be on point for. Don't wallow in the setbacks. We all have them. 
But another thing we have to be cognizant of, and I'm going to have more episodes where we dive into this, is working backwards, living backwards, existing backwards. If you've ever seen Stephen King's Langoliers, because I didn't read the book. I'm not going to sit here in front and tell you I read the book, but I did watch the miniseries. My mother always reminds me of this. When I get, when I find myself starting to slip, she goes, Langoliers. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. It already happened. I don't care if it's a bad thing or a good thing. The worst day of your life or your greatest success, you're, you're popping. It was all, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the past. And Langoliers, when they're uh, like time, it's a whole thing about messing with time, right? And so let's say you're in like 501. Going back and trying to recapture what just happened in, in 500, 5 o'clock, a.m. or p.m., uh, it's not there anymore. It literally has no more smell, taste, sound, nothing. And then even after that, these things come and chomp it up and eat it up and it doesn't, it's gone, it's a void. Why would you want to go and chase backwards into a void when there are hills and mountains for you to climb, you know, and and places for you to soar, spread your wings and fly? I mean, why would you want to go backwards? Don't. Your brass ring isn't behind you. We're going to talk about brass rings more. We're going to talk about working backwards and how not to. And put those blinders on to people. This is another thing I close with. Again, with the social media, don't worry about what it, don't worry about what everybody else is doing, what it looks like. Because there's a whole lot of smoke and mirrors out in these streets. Go watch Fake Famous. I'm just saying, you know. So with all of that said, um, yeah. So it might have taken me a while to get an episode back to you guys. But I wanted to give you goodness. I wanted to, again, like I always say, I wanted to keep the show as close to the bone of where I'm at at the moment. And this is where I'm at right now. So I'm so happy again, like I said, to be able to sit up and comfortably record this for you guys. I'm also ridiculously happy to share my Halloween extravaganza with you all over on uh, Mixcloud. I'm talking about VMNM sound check. Are you sound? Please go by and check out the episode eight, most recent episode I just uploaded. The said the spider to the fly. It's like Halloween madness. And I had so much fun doing it. So I really hope you guys check it out. And uh, yeah, again, if you haven't subscribed, uh, do it. Whether you're listening over on listening to this show, Vibes, Moves, and Moves, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Whether you're listening over on, I was backwards, Apple Podcasts via iTunes or on Spotify or Amazon Music or right here on my website, www.JanaeJordan.com. You can subscribe on those platforms. When it comes to my site, you can join my mailing list and you can even shoot me a note. Just go to the contact info button and click it. All right. So um, that's it. I really, truly and sincerely thank you guys for listening. And I hope that I was able to provide you with some stuff, some some good food for thought, some good feels and things to think about um, that serve you well and help you along. I mean, the show is for creative minds. And, you know, if I can't encourage another creative mind out in the world, then I don't know why I'm sitting here doing this. So I hope and pray that you all receive all of this stuff in the spirit in which it's intended, which is just me sharing with what I've learned and what I'm seeing in others that I think is just beautiful. And yeah. All right. So with all that said, hope you have a happy Halloween. Um, I'm going to uh, get all back up into my movie, Madness. 
and um, I'm gonna get my dune buggy tomorrow maybe and go get a whole bunch of Halloween candy put it in my big purple Halloween jack-o-lantern bucket gather my cocktails and snacks and then turn the front porch light off and eat my candy in peace because there are no kids in my neighborhood so <laughs> sucks right uh, yeah one year I did have a couple of kids across the street came over and I made them run up and down the driveway this is my first year here, by the way. I made them run up and down the driveway and keep saying trick-or-treat um, to get candy because I had way too much candy. I was dressed up. I had a friend with me. We like were parked in the driveway in lawn chairs waiting for kids. There were no kids except for some kids across the street. I was heartbroken when that family moved because I knew I was not going to have trick-or-treaters after that. So now I just do Halloween uh, quietly at home because nobody else wants to watch all that twisted madness but me it's gonna be me and sam who else loves sam he's so creepy i'm talking about sam from trick-or-treat anyway let me get out of here <laughs> i have uh, that is my time all right so anyways seriously guys thank you so much for pressing play on this episode and tuning in and i truly do hope you all are doing well and uh yeah till next time Please do take care of yourselves, be good to yourselves so that you can reach into other people's world and be good to them. Because as always, like I like to say, good God knows we all need to be being good to each other. Till next time, much love, much light. God bless and keep you all always. Peace. Vibes, Moods, and Moves, the podcast for creative minds, real questions, and real conversations. It's created, directed, produced, executive produced, and hosted by me, Janae Jordan.